And I, I pondered for years and I ended up with a list of about 10 things and I would move them around. But I think that the, the superpower that we really have is that ability to choose because we can choose our actions, we can choose our attitude, we can choose the stories we tell ourselves, we can choose where we put our energy. Mm -hmm. um, you know, when we really are coming at the world with that understanding that our, the, the ability to choose is a superpower, you know, that, that makes so many things uh, easier. And that is, uh, you know, the, the commitment to enjoy the ride was a choice that, that you know, I think will, will certainly yeah. save me, um, but it's so helpful. Hi, this is Manuel Astruc from Your Next Act, and you're listening to the Traveling Optimist podcast with Steve Odie. Greetings, everyone, and welcome to the Travelling Optimist podcast, the home of optimism, insight and uplifting stories. How's everything going in your life? I hope it's all going well. And uh, under these trying and testing circumstances, uh, I'm going to send good vibes and hugs out to you all and uh, keep the force of optimism strong every day. Today, my guest is Manuel Astruc, MD, based out of USA. Dr. Astruc is a certified psychiatrist with 20 years experience. And he's the founder of Your Next Act. It's a coaching organization with the sole aim of helping you swap burnout and stress for real, lasting and true happiness. Manuel's own story of burnout has inspired a better conversation around the world about how to avoid or overcome the damaging effects of burnout. And he takes the wisdom he's learned and brings it to business owners and entrepreneurs to help them battle the stress and mental exhaustion that high achievers can feel. Dr. Astruc enables you to recognize how focusing on your mental fitness translates into greater success, both in life and in business. Now, burnout is very real, particularly during these challenging times that we're all facing. And COVID brings with it a set of challenges that we all have to face up to every day. And I know that Dr. Astruc will provide us with incredible understanding into this issue. And hopefully, if it resonates with you, our conversation will help you look out for the telltale signs. So welcome to the podcast, Manuel. Thanks for coming on the show. It's a pleasure. I love the name of the podcast. <laughs> well, yeah, I, 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 yeah, optimism is, is a big thing for me, obviously, yeah. not just on its own, but um, optimism plus action and uh, and, and moving on and looking forward is a, is a, is a big key for me. So uh, does, does, is optimism a big thing for you? Yeah. I mean, what you just said um, was probably the, the, one of the factors that saved me 12 years ago when I was very, very burnt out. And it was all about, like you said, looking towards the future instead of seeing life as a treadmill that, um, you know, every day is going to be the same. Absolutely. So now your um, surname is not, particularly uh, one that I've uh, recognized from uh, somebody that's been in the States uh, all his life. Where, where, are you, where are you from? My family's from Spain. I was born in Spain. Uh, I grew up in Spain. I was five years old. My parents moved to Richmond, Virginia. And uh, the surname is actually French. My, my father's family, several generations before they moved to Spain, were from France. So that, that's where the origin is. Oh, fantastic. Do you speak uh, French and Spanish? I, I I did I took French in in high school and I couldn't maneuver my way through yeah. French at all. In Spanish, I can manage. Yeah, uh, yeah. 
when when I was growing up, we we talked Spanish in the house, and they were trying to get us to speak in English. Uh, and then we we got to be teenagers; they tried to get us to talk Spanish again. Right. Um, okay. And growing up, we always spoke Spanish with my mother. Yeah, uh, yeah awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. Why why did your mom and dad move move out from Spain then? Uh, my father had. Uh, gotten in his studies in Spain, he was a medical doctor, an MD, and had uh, gotten his PhD. And he was doing research on the frontal eye fields of the brain with the cutting edge technologies back then. And um, he had this desire to to change the world and and to, to learn more about neurosciences. And there were more opportunities in the United States for grants than there were uh, in Spain. Mm. So uh, shortly after my sister and I were born, he had an opportunity to come to to the United States in Washington, D.C., Walter Reed Hospital, where he he had a a grant and he did research. And then when he finished that and went back to, to Spain, he had a dream. Of, of moving to the United States. And when I was five, he was given a position in uh, the Medical College of Virginia in Richmond. Wow. And he just moved off. So there were five kids at that time. Um, and my sister and I were the oldest. We were five years old, twins. And he he took us all across the, the, the ocean and we started life in Richmond. Wow, that's amazing. That's a big move, really, isn't it? You know, it was huge. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, uh, but obviously um, the land of uh, hope and dreams has uh, has has come good. So you followed in your father's footsteps in terms of medical practitioner, or yes, exactly. Um, looking back, uh, it was life by default. You know, I was good in school and and math and sciences, and the expectation was that we would become professionals of some sort, uh, and and you know further our education. Mm. So. Uh, you're good at math, you're good at science, you're good at school, you should be a pre-med. And so it was just the course was set very early on. And it didn't seem like, well, it's good. You know, I I didn't have to think very much about it uh, and and was able to pursue that. Looking back, it it would have been a very different story if someone had said, hey, what would you really like to do? Um, Who knows what what does? I'm super happy with what's happened since then. But the the life by default is something that uh, I've tried to change with, with my children. Yes. Yes. Uh, so, uh, so how many children have you got? It's a, uh, it's a uh, lot. <laughs> so I have, a, I have an ex-wife and I have two children with my ex-wife. Um, my, my current wife and I have two children together and she has two from a previous relationship. So, oh, wow. Okay. So oh, really yeah. Big family. Mm-hmm. Love that. Yeah. Okay. So when you moved to the States um, and your dad was working and stuff, what, what sort of, what was life like in America then? You know, the early years, it was really acclimating to to the language. We didn't speak a, a word of English. Uh, I remember going to kindergarten. Uh, my twin sister and I entered into a building together. And we had been together, like, uh, obviously, since we were born. Um, and I was expecting to go to a kindergarten class with her. And we walked in and they, they took her in one direction and they took me in another direction. Yeah. And, and we were immediately separated. So, so there were aspects that were scary and, and new and fresh. But you kids, kids are young, they're resilient, they adapt. Uh, and very early on, the, um, you know, the, my, my father worked a lot of hours, mom stayed at home, and the kids were expected to, to take care of each other. There was a lot of us. Yeah. Um, by the time my, my uh, last sister was born, there were seven of us. Uh, two uh, other siblings were born in the United States. 
And we, we all started working as soon as we could. We would help out with car rides, taking someone to work and picking them up. And yeah. uh, it was good. Oh, awesome. When, yeah, when I went to college, it's interesting. My, my father had been very interested in, in research, but with seven kids, the, the, you know, what, research was going to be hard to pay the bills. Um, so he, he had a change of heart and he started practicing medicine in the United States and he had to get licensed and, and pass the, the various uh, examinations that uh, be activated his license in yeah. the United States. So he was actually doing his uh, medical residency in, in neurology when I was in college. Um, right which is just kind of remarkable when I went to my residency and looking back saying, Oh my God, how did you do that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's such a, well, the thing is, but the, 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 I think the, the, the point there is that it, you never stop learning. Do you at the end of the day? You never stop learning. And, you know, the work ethic was just like what we learned. We, mm. we observed and we saw, and, you know, just kind of, we were all workers. Mm. Did you, what sort of, um, traits did you get from from your dad what was what did he sort of pass on to you uh so 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 much good stuff um the work ethic was just remarkable the the love of reading um and the love of learning Mm -hmm. uh he was a uh you know uh someone who had studied and he had this tremendous memory for details and and things that he remembered studying in in uh history and politics as he was growing up he could still recite those things you know till till the day that he died uh, yeah. just a, a amazing memory and for for details and for um how things fit together yeah yeah i think um my father was a, s- a similar work, you know person i think to your dad in, in terms of work ethic and stuff you know and i, I think i it, i think that came from something that was really born into him from an early age as well, you know, uh, you know, effort really does achieve. And, and, and he, he always used to say that, you know, hard work does, does bring its rewards. Um, but then hard work does bring its rewards, but then it can lead to other negative things as well, can't it? So I'm really, I guess what I'm trying to segue into is uh, burnout uh, really, and and how did you how did you get into this burnout situation? What was the backstory there? So, looking at the the, the hard work ethic, um, hard work is is easy. You, you don't have to think too much. You just have to work hard. So, to become a doctor, that you know uh, aspiration that I had that was default. Uh, you had to work hard in high school so that you could go to college, and then you worked hard in college so that you could get to med school, and you worked hard in med school. So that you could be a resident, and and you know the the working hard was on a, a a trail that had been blazed. If if you do the work that's required, if you clear the following hurdles, you could get to the next level. Mm-hmm. But it was a very well worn path. And at some point, after I had graduated from my residency and I had started my private practice, um, I had this mindset that was not that smart. So, so working hard has some benefits to it, right? But um, I, I had learned that the way you make more uh, money and impact is see more patients and, and work harder. And I had, you know, my, my own kids to take care of and wherever I could fit in more patients. And as my practice was more successful, you know, I was working 12 hour days 
seeing patients. And, and then there were, you know, two hours, three hours of sending in prescriptions and returning phone calls at the end of the day. So my days had gotten very busy. And, and when I finally came up for air after working hard uh, for a long time, I looked up and I said, oh my gosh, you know, th there's no end in sight. And, and I had, by that time I had gotten pretty burnt out. And the, the hallmark of burnout, there's three components. One is an emotional exhaustion. Second is you become very cynical and snarky about the world. You just uh, lose optimism, really. Mm. Uh, the Life looks like a treadmill, and, and it just doesn't end, and there's no future, and there's no change in sight. There's no hope. And, and you know, lastly, there's a loss of a sense of personal effectiveness. So not only was I working hard, but I was getting more and more down on myself in terms of, you know, the work that I was doing. Was I being effective with my patients and whatnot? And um, I, I had been struggling with that. And, and prior to that, you know, I, I had also had my own, and this is where I've taken off my, my psychiatry hat and I've got my coaching hat on because um, as a psychiatrist, I don't talk about these things with, with patients because in, in psychiatry, the, the standard of care is that, you know, we don't self-disclose to patients, you know, our, our own experiences for very good reasons, but professionally, we don't do that. When I have my coaching hat on, um, I can talk about things like, you know, I had problems with depression in the past, and I've had problems with alcoholism in the past. And then I had, you know, dealt and, and worked on those things, but I wouldn't, uh, never really had gotten to the core of, you know, working hard was a way to at some point achieve happiness and happiness was not the center part of my life. And in September, 2008, my my twin sister Magdalena had passed away the month before. Uh, she had uh, about a three year struggle with a brain tumor, a brain cancer, and had passed away in August. And I was literally one Saturday afternoon sitting in a darkened room, and there was a picture of her that I was looking at. And in that picture, you can't even tell that that you know uh, she's wearing a wig, she's smiling, she's beaming. Um, and it was just so striking to me how graciously she'd handled the years that she was sick. She was just loving and, and mm -hmm. grateful to be alive and enjoying everything that she could. And here I was healthy and with a, a thriving practice, and that was just miserable. And that's that's the moment uh, where I just kind of drew a, a line in the sand. You know, it was a moment of truth. And I said, you know, looking at Mag, you know, I'm going to enjoy the ride no matter what going forward. Like, there's just no excuse to be miserable. Um, and that's when I started to make some significant changes in my life. But that first change was, you know, the commitment to enjoy things no matter what. Yeah. It's a commitment that a lot of people like to make, but they can't. It, they can't keep up the the yeah. consistency of it. So, how did you make that commitment stick? Well, I, I had a, <laughs> I had a great inspiration with Mag, right? So, so she stayed with me the whole time, and, okay. and she kicks my butt when I'm not. Um, but there were a number of things that I did. The, the first thing that I did, and you know, part of what um, is is just the backdrop of the story is. You know, I'm the person who's supposed to be helping everybody else, um, right? So, so I spent you know fifty thousand hours individually helping people, you know, for for years and years, and and I was having a hard time. So it's not like I had didn't have access to to knowledge about what to do. 
One of the first things that I did, I just put up blinders to the negative thinking. I had been allowing myself to wallow in how hopeless things were and how tired I was. And, you know, I said, you know, those thoughts are going to come up, right? We can't control the thoughts, but I can put blinders up. And like we said at the beginning, like you said at the beginning of the show, I can look forward. And I can say, there are changes that I can make that can have an impact. And I don't know what they are, but I'm going to stop focusing on those negative thoughts. I'm going to mm-hmm. not wallow and I'm going to look towards the future. Um, I made some pretty rapid changes with uh, simple things. And we can talk about them at some point if you want, but uh, you know, eating better, moving more, sleeping better. Um, and I also cut out all negativity that I could. I'd stop watching the news. I loved sports, but sports had become about, you know, the drama instead of the excellence. I turned off the the sports and I built a tribe of virtual mentors with audiobooks, with podcasts, you know, this new modality that had just like surfaced in, in my life 12 years ago. Mm. And, and I just like was constantly keeping myself in, in a framework of, you know, people who were positive, people who were changing their lives, had changed their lives, were making an impact in the world. And starting to look toward like, what can I do different? What's going to uh, make changes in my life? And looking backwards, you know, the the changes that I've implemented, I've I've put them together in the, the coaching program, Your Next Act. And they go along with a lot of the current research and science and, and how to, you know, change habits and, and you know, uh, any number of other things. But it was really about... Um, my life didn't change in what it looked like, but I was spending uh, an hour, two hours every single day with a lot more positivity and things that I really enjoyed uh, listening to and thinking about. Yes. Oh, I love that. I've stopped listening to the news as well. So (laughs) it's just a um, good practice. Yeah, it is. It's really good. Highly recommend it, everybody. Highly recommend (laughs) it. Um, The thing is, I'm going to ask a a question because What struck me is that really you were on the outside very successful. And this is very typical of entrepreneurs and, and business owners, isn't it? Yeah. The outside yes. veneer is really top of your game, really on it every day. You know, everything is sweet, right? But then underneath, there's this sort of inner turmoil kind of thing, it feels like. And I just wondered whether alongside that, whether do do you encourage people to to reflect back and see how far they've come or is it something that that just happens naturally or you just or are you just literally are you looking forward more the answer is yes to both um you know it it is helpful to have a sense of what you've been through in your life and, and to have a sense of how the past has impacted your present, but we can't stop there with uh, coaching uh, as opposed to therapy. Yeah. Carol Kaufman, who's the head of Harvard uh, International uh, Coaching Federation, uh, she says that therapy is following the trail of tears backwards to find the pain and heal the pain and that coaching is all about uh, following the trail of dreams to help you to become that that person that that Mm. you are capable of becoming and i think that you know with entrepreneurs and and that's the those are the people that i uh serve with my uh your next act the coaching company yeah i i think that you know there's another side to success And, and that other side is 
um, when you overuse any muscle, you know, you atrophy and, and you, you don't develop other sets of skills. Um, and there's, there's, uh, relationships, there's coping, there's lots of other things that, that don't get fully developed when we're so focused on, on being successful, the work that it takes. And what we're taught to do and what many entrepreneurs do is, you know, we, we double down on working hard and the, the full range of, uh, you know, let's say that the analogy I'll use is with uh, physical fitness, you know, mm-hmm. if you just work on strength, you know, there's a whole lot of other things, you'll get very strong, right? <laughs> but there's a whole lot of, of other things, cardio, flexibility, body control, that 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 you're missing, and, and developing that that whole individual, looking backwards, looking forward, integrating, and Putting happiness um, as, as an organizing principle is one of the, the biggest components that I talk about. And, and the other thing that's been very important to me is, uh, you know, the, the shout out to the fact that we live in a society, and, and entrepreneurs especially are vulnerable to this, where, you know, we need to elevate the discussion around pain, trauma, burnout, mm. stress, um, and, and decrease the stigma in, in being able to, to address and talk about these things because it, it um, ruins lives and, and takes lives when we don't uh, have an open conversation around those things. Is it just is it just people overworking that causes burnout? Or I mean, I was I was reading a little bit into it. Of course, it's, yeah. it's a, a very moot subject at the moment, particularly with yeah. COVID and, and so on. So, what's what sort of things is there's the mental aspect but there are other other aspects of burnout burnout was very commonly used you know in reference to to business but we're using it more and more in in things like with you know the the pandemic and lockdowns and people not being able to do what what they do those three components of the emotional exhaustion the cynicism and loss of kind of feeling personally effective are, are common with um burnout things that lead to burnout are, you know, when we have, you know, huge demands on, on our, our time and our emotional energy, we have a sense of a loss of control. We can't control the things that are going on around us. And the, the rewards that we're getting for the effort that we're putting in seem to be mismatched to, mm. to, to what our expectation um, is so you know if you've been working all all you know year and all of a sudden the, the pandemic shows up and you were going to go take a vacation and you know on weekends you, you go hang out with your friends and all of a sudden you can't do that mm. you know all these rewards that we build into to our days they're not there and we can't do anything about it um, yeah yeah and, and it's easy to get tired and uh, so on and so forth yeah. so how are you how are you kind of combating the uh, pandemic and things I mean, I've been fortunate over the 12 years since, you know, I, I started making changes that, you know, my, my blinders work pretty well. They don't work perfectly, but I'm, I'm very intolerant now of feeling terrible. Uh, a story I tell is I, I came home, you know, some months ago and the dogs needed to be walked and nobody had walked them and I needed to go walk the dogs and it'd been a long day. So I'm walking the dogs and I was just so angry. <laughs> yeah. Like, mis- like, I can't believe I have to walk the dogs. And the dogs, <laughs> they were happy. Uh, and it was a beautiful night. And, 
you know, uh, fortunately, I recognize, you know, this is kind of dumb. This is a nice night. The dogs are happy. You're taking a walk. Like, you know, chill out, bud. Um, <laughs> don't take yourself so seriously. Just enjoy <laughs> the walk. And it, it turned out okay. But it's because, you know, I, I, I have gotten very intolerant to just kind of gassing myself up with my, my self-talk. I, I have a regular exercise program that, that I follow no matter what. I make sure that I'm sleeping well and eating well. And you know, one component that, that's really important is having, you know, 10% of your day where there's things that you're intentionally uh, and, and uh, designing as things that you really enjoy. And a lot of times we think that these things should be um, like with a big neon sign, like really, really enjoy it. Right? Yeah. <laughs> like it's got to be a monstrous enjoyment, but it can be like having a good conversation like, like this is like an enjoyable thing for me. Yeah. It can be, you know, stepping outside and it's crisp and cold and the air just shocks you and you're like, whoa, this is kind of cool. It can be looking at the clouds as you're driving into work. Mm. There's, there's so many moments that, that, you know, we can really be inspired and, and optimistic about if we take the time to, to notice and we're not waiting for the, you know, lottery to hit and then I'll yeah. be happy. Yeah, absolutely. Do you think, I mean, sort of when you, when you see your, your people that are on your coaching program and stuff, um, do you think that they kind of lost sight of what they've done in their life so far? And, and from a, a, a gratitude perspective, they're, they're kind of off balance really in terms of, like you said, um, going out into for a walk and just you know, appreciating things like the, the the sky and the the silence or or whatever it is or nature, they kind of you kind of forget all of, all of those very simple simple elements of life and living that make it nice. Do you see what I mean? Uh, absolutely. And um, within the coaching program, there's there's you know uh, different pieces that that we will will cover with folks. No, but it starts with really getting back to designing your life. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so much of the time we we followed uh, a path mm. that has already been blazed in front of us, and and we've gotten to a certain level, and then you know whatever level we settle for, we stop and we're like, this is pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I've got my needs met, and there's a decent job, and I'm doing okay. And um, people will have aspirations. You know, I should probably work out more. Um, I should probably have a hobby. You know, I should, you know, maybe change my diet. So, so people have a sense that, that there's more that they could be doing. But once their basic needs are met, it, it, it's hard to get the motivation and the gumption to go do that. So we start off by like prodding people. When when I um, had first started your next act, I would say, I'm not going to take you into the program until you have at least taken the time to tell me where you want to be in 10 years. Like write it out, spend some time. Like, mm-hmm. what do you want to be different in your life? What would an ideal day look like for you in 10 years? Um, let's start to think down the road. And, and once people start to have those thoughts and and aspirations and desires and and you know they get the, the emotional energy from that then we start you know so your next act you know that's who you're becoming that's going to be your next act your next version of yourself and then it's what are the next actions that you're going to take and we work on really looking at you know quarterly goals 
that that just like in business, we we look at making the goals that are aligned with you know the directions that you're heading in. And it doesn't so much matter what the goals are, but it's about keeping them in front of you and and keeping the dream alive. So for yeah. the last twelve years, you know the the goal was initially I, I need to be have more freedom. Um, so I, I need to make more money, but that was a terrible goal for me. I, I couldn't follow through. Like you said, you know, <laughs> that, that would just disappear. It, it wasn't compelling enough. Having an impact, changing lives, helping more people to help more people, getting creative in ways of describing things so that people can, um, learn and, and have a seed planted in their heads so that when they listen to something like what we're talking about here, they have something they can take away and, and find useful and pass on to somebody else. You know, those are the ripples that, that became really important to me. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. I think asking somebody to plan 10 years is a tough ask. So you, yeah. you must have very persuasive powers. So <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a tricky thing, isn't it? Because I, I don't think people, entrepreneurs, you know, I think um, really people in the top of their game, you know, yeah. they're probably thinking 20, 25, 30, 40 yeah. years ahead, aren't they? How, you know, 10 years to a mere layman actually is, you know, a reasonable long time. So what do you, how, do you, how do you get across that sort of barrier, that limiting belief that, that you know, somebody might have? It, it's really funny. So you can't have someone plan it, right? What, what you have to try to get them to do is to dream it. Uh-huh. Um, like, like get creative and people have a hard time with it. You're absolutely right. It's like, you know, dream up like the ideal scenario. Well, I can't, I don't know what things are. You, you really have to um, be like a child and dream up, you know, what would an, an ideal job, who would you be hanging out with? Where mm. would you be waking up? Mm. Where, where would you like to be living? Mm. Um, like if you had that magic wand and you could just make that happen. Yeah. Um, don't worry about the how, right? Don't worry about the how. Don't make the plans. Just have that that dream of the sorts of things that would juice you up to be moving toward. I think you, you just hit the nail on the head. And in terms of a child would have no problem in talking to you about what they want. You know, they'll yeah. want to be an astronaut or yeah. whatever and, you know, visit Mars and they'll help a million people with, you know, yeah. this, that and the other. They're, 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 big, they're dreamers, aren't they? So we, we get that kind of kicked out of us a little bit, don't we? Uh, the, the dreaming aspect of it. A hundred percent. You know, the, um, the, so with my kids, I, I have my, my two youngest, one just graduated from college and one's still in college. And I, I asked them to dream up, like, what would be ideal, like, you know, with all the talents that you have, and if if you could just dream up, and they have a very hard time, you know, and, and some mm-hmm. of it is because that well-worn path of school and education, you go to school, these are the sorts of classes that you take, if you're a good student, this is how that's going to look, um, you, you start to learn to follow that path that has been blazed before you. And, and that's what success is going to look like. And what they forget is, is that, you know, success is really about becoming you um, yeah. and, 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 you know, all your possibilities uh, yes. and, and that they look to tell me what's going to be on a test mm. <laughs> and, and what I have to learn. And, and and then we'll get through this and then I'll figure the next step out. I'll get a job, right? And the yeah. job will tell me, you know, how I'm going to be successful in the job. It's you Obviously, you get a promotion, you do well. But but that creativity, um, 
entrepreneurs, on the other hand, they they get very creative, right? Yeah, I would imagine they do. I think also, I think I fell into a trap um, over the over the last few years where I was measuring myself on the wrong metric. Mm. I was measuring myself from a a financial perspective, and I'd lost all sense of balance in the other areas of my life. And that that causes um, stress actually very much so you know and um so yeah i i totally um i totally get that that feeling and i think you know if we, there's a i have two daughters and you know the ones at um, university uh, one's doing her she's a, a, a and the other one is at um, at school doing her a levels but I, I, there was a time when i was thinking yeah you've got to go to university you've got to go to university it's the only way it's the way forward and um you know you get your le- you, you know the next step up and everything but actually you know i'm a lot more relaxed about it now i don't i actually don't think that that, that if they don't want to do that and they would like to go and get a job and and, yeah. and and gain some experience without doing that i'd be i'd still be very happy about that mm. i don't know is it in america do, is it very is it a, a the done thing where the kids have to they have to go to college after after school I think it um, depends to some extent, you know, the expectations on, on you know, the different stratifications of, mm. of income. And it's sad, really, in, in terms of how, how much your zip code plays into what's expected and what's possible. Right. But but yeah, that that's you know, getting an education is is still considered very important. Um, I'll tell you a, a story, and my kids will oftentimes listen to this. So Noah, if you're listening, so my youngest uh, is is in college, and Noah had aspirations for finance and for business and for investing, and you know, very very smart kid. And after his first year of college, he you know we went out to dinner, uh, and he said, you know. Dad, I think I really like music and, and I, I like playing my my bass and I really think that I want to make a go of of music going forward. I think I'm gonna let go of some of these other things. And and I was like, Great. I mean, that's fine. Like, you know, you gotta follow your heart, you gotta follow your passion, and and you know, that's great. You're gonna go through school and finish. Yeah, yeah, I'll finish school and I'll get my education through that. And I said, Well, how much um you you like playing your bass and I hear you playing your bass, but uh, you know how much bass do you think you should be playing if you're going to be a musician? Because um, I'll tell you something, that the people who really want to play bass, they're, they're playing many hours a day to, to make a go of playing bass. So he plays a lot and he practices a lot. But the, the other um, sort of things that I teach in the coaching, and you know, I, I, the kids are wonderful. They indulge my coaching them all the time. <laughs> but I said, you don't have to be the best bass player. And I learned this from Sam Harris, uh, uh, you know, who, who has a podcast and he's uh, the meditator guy, right? So, you know, if you've got three things you're pretty good at, you know, in the center, you'll be great. So he likes the bass and then he likes personal growth and development. Um, and he's trying to figure out what the third piece of it is, but he, he wants to marry, you know, the, the, the music musician stuff that he likes to do with the, the personal growth and development for musicians yeah. and, and just kind of find a sweet spot where, you know, he'll be able to do something, create something um, and, and just find a place where he can be really happy. And happiness is, is very hard to define, right? That that's 12 years. I've been trying to like figure out how do you define happiness? Mm-hmm. And how do you, what is it? Have you found it yet? <laughs> <laughs> so I, I've got I've got my current you know iteration of it. So it's version you know whatever it is. Um, so Tony Robbins says you know happiness is having a goal and and following you know the the path to hitting that goal and hitting that goal is happiness. 
there's a psychologist, Sean Aker, and I used his definition for, for many years. He said he uses a definition, he says, that comes from the ancient Greeks. Um, he says, happiness is the feeling of joy that you get as you strive to fulfill your potential. And for me, um, happiness has really been about having the ability to de- design your way in a life uh, in a way that includes some key pieces to it, four key pieces. So first is there's a recognition that we are not finished products, that you know learning and growing is, is a key to happiness. When we stagnate at the level that we reach, you know, life is pretty good here and I'm not going to strive anymore. You know, it's hard to be happy from that level. Mm. Always learning and growing. Second is our connections. You know, and, and there's a lot that we can unpack with connections and community, but all the research shows that as you move through your life, your levels of happiness and even your, your physical health are, are going to be very directly correlated to relationships that you have, you know, fulfilling, rewarding relationships. So connection is super important. Blazing your own trail. And this is where we go from uh, living that life on that well-worn path that other people have worn and tell you, you know, to follow that path and really starting to think about, you know, who are you? What uh, are your unique gifts that you bring into the world? Mm-hmm. And to, to start to decide for yourself who you are and what you want to be doing. And there's a lot within that, but just that, that you know, painting that picture, you get to choose. And you don't have to follow anybody else's metrics for what success looks like. And finally, the, the, the biggest lesson for me was really that commitment to enjoy the ride. You have the ability to choose your attitude no matter what the circumstances. You know, that's Viktor Frankl from Men's Search for Meaning. And if you have time for just a very quick story, the, uh, some years ago when I was first up, so I'm a psychiatrist, I'm trying to, you know, start a coaching business or whatever kind of business I was going to start. Yeah. And I w- went to my first marketing conference and there was a, a mastermind and there were about, you know, 20 people in the room and they're going around, you know, talking about their business problems and what they wanted to get out of the marketing mastermind. And I was sweating bullets because I had no idea <laughs> how to talk to business people about <laughs> m- what, what I was going to do or, um, <laughs> And it was finally my turn and I blathered on about something. Um, and the guy from across the room, he says, well, well, tell me if you had like one piece of advice that, that you could give to other people to like help them to change their lives, what would that piece of advice be? And I said, oh, gosh, that's like too complicated a question. Like we can't just have one piece of advice. I just didn't even try. Uh, it was a great question though. And I, I pondered for years and I ended up with a list of about 10 things and I would move them around. But I think that the, the superpower that we really have is that ability to choose because we can choose our actions. We can choose our attitude. We can choose the stories we tell ourselves. We can choose where we put our energy. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when we really are coming at the world with that understanding that our, the, the ability to choose is a superpower, you know, that, that makes so many things uh, easier. And that is, uh, you know, the, the commitment to enjoy the ride was a choice that, that you know, I think will, will certainly yeah. save me, um, but it's so helpful. Oh, yeah, no, totally. I really, I really resonate with that, actually. You know, I really do. I mean, that's, that's amazing insight. Just to sort of finish off, let's talk about your next act. And what are your goals for for your tribe? 
of mentees? Um, so I'm gathering the tribe. I'm looking for the folks who who are going to be good matches for what I have to offer. And the your next act is is really about uh, successful entrepreneurs who have been experiencing that other side of entrepreneurship and want to get back to basics uh, where they can put happiness back at, at the center of their lives. Because the reality is that that when you're you're putting that at the center and you're doing the internal work, the deeper that you go, the higher that that your business and you can go um, in, in your personal and professional life. Um, so successful entrepreneurs. And right now, uh, I'm working one-on-one with uh, clients. The goal is going to be to, to have some group workshops where I think that the ability to have a community of um, individuals mm-hmm. who understand each other, um, mm-hmm. entrepreneurs are, are uh, you know, the, the life that they lead. It, it's hard to talk to folks who have a job about, you know, the, the struggles, the anxieties, the worries, the, the work that, that goes into, you know, really getting a company to be successful and then being, you know, the, the, the responsible one for making sure that everybody's getting their paycheck. You know, I've got, you know, the, the folks in the coaching space with me and, and other places where I go to, to, you know, get coached myself, um, you know, strategic coach and EO to, to hang out and to get better at running a business. But most people are not willing to take that risk, right? No. So, so to become an entrepreneur, is, it, it takes a special sort of, of tolerance for for risk taking, yeah, it's yeah. much easier to, to go somewhere, work eight hours, and get a paycheck. Yeah, absolutely. I really love the idea of of the the group, the one to many yeah. idea. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think there's you know a lot huge value for a lot of people to get involved yeah. with you. Is there? Have yeah. you got like a goal of how many people you want to try and help? Is it like a a million or something, or a million <laughs> entrepreneurs? So yeah, so the the BHAG, you know, uh, in, in many of the places that I've, I've been coached, like, you know, what, you have to come up with a BHAG. And I have a hard time coming up with a number. At some point, I probably should. But but I figured that what I wanted to do was, was have an opportunity to talk about these simple concepts in a way that I can have an impact on changing the world. So yeah. so let's start by by just changing the world. I'll work with the entrepreneurs who, who uh, have an interest in, in working with me. But I think if we start to teach people optimism, if we teach them hope, if we teach them inspiration and possibility, mm-hmm. and we can give them little nuggets that they can hold on to, you know, you know, happiness is learning and growing and, you know, blazing your own trail and, you know, connecting the, you know, if we teach those sorts of things, you know, the ripple effects are, are, are going to change the world. We're going to empower people to take personal accountability for, their life, their well-being, and that spreads from there. Oh, absolutely. So how can everybody get in contact with you? Um, I have two ways right now. On Facebook, uh, Manuel Astruc Coaching. I have a, a morning musing. I, uh, two or three minutes before I start seeing patients at 7 o'clock in the morning, I'll, I'll jump on Facebook and I'll, I'll talk a little bit about you know, happiness or success. You know, this week I've been talking about human misery, our ability to be miserable, where it comes from, and how to change that. But that's you know, two or three minutes that you can spend with me and and awesome. hear me muse. Uh, so it's Manuel Astruc Coaching, um, and then my website Manuel Astruc M A N U E L A S T R U C 
manuelastook.com. And if you go on manuelastook.com forward slash free, there's, there's a video that one of my kids actually put together. He, he looked at years of morning musings. He pulled out themes. He, he took out the audio. He sequenced it and put it to music and, and images about our greatest super power. Uh, great. It was, it was a wonderful gift. I'll, I'll put all of those links in the show notes so that oh, people yeah, can can click on it and uh, and join you and your your daily musings and uh, and have a look at that video. Manuel, it's been an absolute pleasure. I can't thank you enough for coming on the show. It's it's really in- incredible to meet you. Um, I think you're doing an amazing, amazing things. And um, I really do wish you all the very best and continued success. Thank you so much, Steve. It's, it's just a, a pleasure talking to you. And, you know, I, I had a blast. You know, thank you so much for the opportunity. Oh, it's a pleasure. Thanks, Manuel. Take care. Well, how cool is Manuel? And I hope that uh, what we chatted about resonated with you. Burnout is very real, uh, particularly now when a lot of us are under so much stress. But I think his superpower of being able to choose and also of enjoying the ride gets lost when we're all in the thick of deadlines and worry and stress. So reach out to Manuel on Facebook and take a look at his beautiful video on his website. All details will be in the show notes. And finally, thanks for listening, everybody. If you'd like to support the podcast, the easiest and most impactful thing you can do is subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, even Amazon and Google too. And of course, sharing the show with friends, family and colleagues is always greatly appreciated by me. And I'm so grateful for your support and I don't take it for granted. Take care, everyone. Stay strong. Choose optimism every day. And remember, as Manuel said, it's important to enjoy the ride. And we'll be back soon.